You guys ready? Pastor Virginia just told me that her son, who's an adult, said that video scared him. He's not coming. So praise the Lord. All right. So uh, the video is not supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be uh, captivating and help us ask the question. And I am just so impressed to have so many here at uh, this service today. So uh, excited to have her. Give yourselves a hand just because you got here. Amen. It's good. So uh, how many were not here last Sunday for the beginning of our series? Just wave your hand real quick. Oh, not too, not too many. Good. Most of you were here. Awesome. I'll do a little bit of a recap just to kind of bring it all together for us as we dive in uh, today and uh, continue to move forward. We're excited to uh, uh, just uh, be, uh, wasn't it great having a full worship team today? Man, just going for it. Awesome. Great to see some uh, faces returning and some new faces in the crowd as we uh, continue to move forward at Generations Church. So let's just pray and uh, we'll dive in. So Lord, we just thank you in Jesus' name for this uh, series, The Mark, Conspiracy or Truth. And Lord, we just ask you to uh, help me to communicate your truths through your word to your people today. Lord, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Father God, we just thank you. The only spirit that's allowed to operate in this place is the Holy Spirit. And we just take authority over any other spirits, no manifestations in Jesus' name, and no twisting of the truth or, or twisting of lies into people's ears. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father God, for open hearts to receive your word today into good soil that it will produce in their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, just a little bit of a recap. We kicked off last week. Now, I just want to set out a teaser just like they do on TV and commercials. Next Sunday is a very critical part of this series where we're going to unwrap some things. And so today we're going to continue kind of uh, where we left off last week. I'm going to introduce some things today about some numbers concerning the mark uh, that I'm going to allow you to decipher whether it's conspiracy or truth or not. And then uh, next week we will uh, show some videos and some different things just to kind of hone in on where we are today in 2021 concerning what we're talking about in the Bible. Amen. So Revelations 1.19 is where we kind of dove off. It says, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. So Revelations 1.19, just to remind us, is one little scripture that tells us what the whole book of Revelation, remember, not Revelations, plural, there's one revelation and the revelation is Jesus. That's the one revelation that we need to take from the book of Revelation. It's not the, uh, uh, the rapture. It's not the tribulation. It's not anything of the, uh, it, it's Jesus, right? And so we need to understand that Revelation 1 talks about that. Revelation 2 and 3 talks about the churches, where we are now. And then Revelation 4 through 22 talks about what's going to happen in the future. So first, the things we have seen. Second, the things that are happening now. And then third, the things that will happen. So we talked about some things that have happened. We talked about, remember the scripture we read about Jesus and it identified him? And I said, man, it's not talking about Iron Man. This is talking about Jesus, right? It said shiny boots and, and uh, all this stuff and silver hair and eyes blazing as fire. And everybody's like, whoa, what is that? It's Jesus. But most of the time, here's the deal. When we see Jesus, we see Jesus on the cross in our mental, in mental thinking. We see Jesus in the, coming out of the grave in our mental thinking, or we see Jesus as a baby in a manger. 
Because our minds, when we think of Jesus, we automatically go to that. Or we go to Jesus that's being uh, whipped. Or we go to Jesus where the crown of thorns on his head and blood coming down. Most of the time when we get an image of Jesus, it could look like a defeated Jesus. Because we see up to the cross, and then everybody today generally has a cross hanging off from their rearview mirror or around their neck or in their homes. And a cross is wonderful because that's where he paid the price for your sins and my sins. But he's not on the cross anymore. Amen. He's, he, he's in heaven. He's got eyes as a blazing fire. His, his hair is silver. He, he's got shiny silver boots on it. And he's an amazing uh, God, amen, and so he, he, he doesn't look like what he used to, he, we see him in his humanity and not in his divinity, and we need to understand that, and Revelation is unpacking that for us, okay, so then we got to, we talked about the past, and then we got to kind of the, the where we are today, and we talked about the churches, we, we dove in, and we got about two of them done, right, and so uh, we, we need to see and kind of just go through some of the churches we didn't get to last week, and then we're going to pick up, that'll take about 10 minutes this morning, and then we'll pick up and we'll talk about and we'll get into some of the numbers and some of the different things when it comes to the mark, all right, so there are physical churches, but then a lot of this is symbolic, and so we need to look at not the church of Ephesus as a building or a place, but symbolic of the body of Christ, who you and I are, and there are seven areas that the Bible tells us in Revelation are areas where we can fail or where we might be misled. And we need to be aware of these things in the day and time that we live in, all right? So the church of Ephesus, Jesus' first letter was to the church of Ephesus, and they, are the, they had lost their passion. Amen. And I know there's a lot of people you can maybe think of. Of course, we never think of ourselves, but we think of other people who have maybe lost their passion for the things of God and the presence of God. And we talked about that last week, so we'll move forward. And then the second one we talked about was I said it could be a city in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and that is the church of Smyrna. Right? And the church of Smyrna is the worry church. They worry a lot. They were always worrying. They, were, they are the fearful church, fearful regarding the future. Now, in this year of COVID, we saw a lot of churches fearful, and we saw a lot of churches bold. And then we were wondering which one was right. And we had to decipher which one was right, and many of you judge me based on what decisions I made over this church. What was right, what you thought I did right, what you thought I did wrong. I still love you, even though you think I was wrong. You know, we can disagree on some things, but we don't have to be disagreeable. And we don't have to go find a new church just because your pastor doesn't think the same as you in that one particular area. And as you know, I'm perfectly willing to get to heaven for Jesus to tell you that Pastor Troy was right. All right? Praise the Lord. So the Smyrna church was fearful about things in the future. So today we're going to dive in. We're going to get on to some of the other churches. We won't take a whole lot of time here. There is one that I'm going to camp out on just a little bit because it's going to be fun. But the church of Pergamum. Everybody say Pergamum. Pergamum. Sounds like a nice flower, right? Pergamum. Jesus' second letter is to the church of Pergamum. And they love God, but they lack integrity. And that's this church. And he tells them that he knows that they love him, but they have to overcome the temptation to be like the world. So Jesus says, I know that you love me, but will you live for me? 
Because there's a lot of people who say, I love Jesus because you want your free ticket to heaven, but you don't necessarily live for him. That's all of us. Amen? I'm not pointing at you. I'm just making an observation of humanity today, right? So if you, uh, you know, we have to understand that, that, we, that we love him because of what we get from him, but we are afraid sometimes to live for him because we lack integrity on who we say we believe and stand for. So we say we're followers of Jesus Christ, and we look like it on Sunday, but then we don't represent him any other time. You know, if I can just get on my little soapbox, this is where I sometimes camp out because I'm like, I just don't quite understand. We say that we're followers of Jesus Christ, and we want to believe, and we're supposed to go by the entire Bible. You know, I've, I've did a series a number of years ago called Cafeteria Christianity. You know, those, those buffets where you can go and pick what you like, but you don't have to take the vegetables. Or, or things you don't like, there might be vegans in here, but um, you know. You know, you can go load up at the ice cream buffet and pour all that apple cobbler on top of it. And you can go take the steak and you can take the, the chicken. You can take whatever you want because it's, 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 you get to pick whatever you want. You don't have to take some of those other things. You don't have to take the boiled spinach. Right? I don't care what Popeye says. Uh. So you can take it a different way. But the cafeteria Christianity is basically pick and choose what you like, I want blessed. I want healed. But then we don't necessarily like some of the other stuff, which is be a Christian of integrity. If you say you're my follower, does anybody know it? Amen. Right? Do you serve the local church? If you call yourself a part of the body, are you actually active in the body? I love you. I just don't want you to be the same. You can come in the same, but you should never leave this place the same. There should always be transformation happening in a believer's life. We're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. You should never go from glory to gluttony to glory to crash. To, it's supposed to move forward. Amen. There's too many Christians to just... Flatline. All right, too much time on that one. All right. The next one is the church at Thyatira. Say that. That's just fun to say, Thyatira. It's like Thai food. I love it. All right. The church of Thyatira is the, oof, is the unrepentant church. I just wanted to look this way so nobody thought I was looking at them. It's the unrepentant church. They justified sin through good works. Well, I know I sinned, but look what I did over here. See, so I, I can just do good things, and that will balance out the scale of the bad things that I've done. But see, that's a works mentality, right? And so we have to be careful about the church of Thyatira and the unrepentant church. You have to have an approach to God presenting and understanding the gift of righteousness and grace and mercy in our life, but then we don't want to make it greasy grace, Where we sin because, well, you know, I know God's going to have grace on me for this, so you go ahead and sin. You go ahead and do it. Well, you know, thank God for God's grace. <laughs> no, that's called you're going to turn into worms. That's what that's called. Ananias and Sapphira. 
Amen? Now, nobody here, of course, but, you know, I'm just saying, we got to be careful that we're not lying to God, that we're taking advantage of His grace and His mercy and the blood of Jesus in His name, and then we still act like what we want to act like. So this is unrepentant. So we need to repent. Amen? And that's the cool thing about God. I don't know if you guys know about 1 John 1, 9, right? If you don't know that scripture, you should know that scripture. That's the Christian's bar of soap. You should use it every morning. Just like a shower. Matter of fact, when you're in the shower, God, I thank you that I can ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And you said you'd cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So while I'm using this soap on my physical body, Lord, I thank you, you do cleanse my spiritual body right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Next time you get in the shower, it'll never be the same. All right, praise the Lord. We have the next church, which is the Church of Sardis. And that made me think of sardines, and I don't like them. But the Church of Sardis is the dead church, kind of like a sardine when you open that can. It's the dead church. Now, can you imagine that Jesus pointed out seven churches and one of them he identified as dead? Whoo! They have the name that they're alive, but they're dead. The letter can kill and it can give life. It's all a matter of how you use it, right? And so we, we, we can look good externally, but be empty in here. And just go through the motions. That's why it's sometimes it's like, well, if we say we love Jesus. Now, I know there's a lot of churches, they sit down and worship. They, they say, well, I don't want to, you know, be expressive and draw attention to myself. Well, no, Jesus actually likes that. God actually likes that when you're worshiping him, when you're standing. Because it's biblical to clap your hands. It's biblical to raise your hands. It's biblical to stand and worship. It's biblical to kneel and worship. And you're not trying to draw attention to yourself. But you're trying to draw attention in heaven and go, hey, God, I'm worshiping you right now. So there's kind of some jacked up little thinking there when it comes to our worship. And we have to understand that, that, you know, we don't do these things because, but, but a lot of people don't do that because they feel dead. Like they don't have the spirit of God. Most people come to Generations Church, they go, man, it just feels different. There's just a spirit of God in this place. And the only reason that they have that is because they've been to other places that they don't feel that. So we look very Christian on the outside, even the facade of the facilities. But there can be dead on the inside. That's why I believe we should be spirit-empowered people because that's what the Holy Spirit came to empower us as believers, not to be, which is the next one, weak believers. All right, so we'll just jump to that since it was a great transition right there. It's the Church of Philadelphia. Now, don't think of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. Don't go, don't go there. Just think of the Church of Philadelphia. Jesus called it the weak church. Now, if you're a man, you don't want to, be, you don't want to go to that church. I ain't weak. Can you imagine if you're mad at someone calling you weak? Man, you're just weak. You're just a wuss. Come on, man. Suck it up. Get tough. Can you imagine if you're a man and you'd be called the weak church? You'd be switching churches quick. Amen. It's the weak church. Jesus is saying that they have little strength. The temptation that you see yourself as a non-impactful church. Well, you know, we just don't do a whole lot. We're just kind of weak. We just stay to ourselves, you know. And you, know and, and you don't stand up for what you believe. We're weak. Some people call it having no spine. In other words, you don't stand up for what you believe and who you believe. So sometimes when you stand up and declare things, in today's times, you'll be canceled. I was canceled because I stood for what I believed, what I believed the Bible said. 
Amen? And so we have to understand that in the day and time we live in, if we're followers of Christ, they're trying to cancel church in the name of Jesus everywhere you look this day. And so you can be weak and, well, I just think, you know, a lot of Christians use this word, and I'm, this isn't in my notes. I hope I don't get myself in trouble. But, but we use this kind of cop-out, well, you just need to walk in love. Walking in love is great. But if you have no spine, then that's just called cowardly. So do we use, well, we just need to walk in love as I don't want to fight. I don't want to stand for what I believe. I don't want to stand as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to let the world run me over. Or we're going to stand up for what we believe. We're going to stand for the word of God. We're going to be tough like our Jesus was when he went to the cross for us. Or we're just going to be weak, no, no fight, no passion. Well, whatever you want to do, we just want to walk in love. Some of you might leave today. That's all right. Don't get offended. Just ask yourself, am I strong? Now, some people say this. Well, I, I, I love God, but man, I just hate the church. I love God, but I hate church. I hate everything about church. I hate people in church. People there, anybody know anybody? No, don't wave your hand. Don't wave your hand. <laughs> now, if you're online today, maybe you know, and you can, you can raise your hand because we won't see you raise your hand, but, but you know people that say, I love God, but man, I just don't like going to church. I love God, but man, I just hate the body of Christ. But we have to remember something, that Jesus is the head and we are the body. So when people say that, I'm just like, man, that is just so messed up. What you're saying is, is the church sometimes has offended you because you're offendable. What you're saying is that you, it reminds you of things maybe you need to adjust and change and so you feel uncomfortable going to church and so you just as soon stay away so you're not reminded of things you need to adjust or change. Or maybe the pastor's always asking you, why don't you get involved and serve at the church? And you just don't want to serve because you want to keep your time, my time. This is not supposed to be coming out quite as like aggressive as it is, but it's really challenging because that is really why Jesus wrote to the seven churches, you're weak. You have no passion. All these types of things. As a matter of fact, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Husbands, if you're here, husbands watching online, if, if today after service or, or maybe wherever you're going uh, after service, you go out to the car and you husbands, you, you look at your wife. You say, baby, look at me. Man, you are just so beautiful. I love looking at your face. But your body? I don't really like your body. Some things about the body I just don't like. You would get a right uppercut, uppercut, just like that. Some of you tried that. You found out. Now, I don't know. I don't know if the Holy Ghost slaps, his, slaps people, but he's probably been tempted to just go, pish. Don't you know? Yeah, I know he's, he slaps us sometimes personally. We go, Ugh. But you know what? When we say we don't like church, we're saying, Jesus, I love how you look here, but your body is. 
Your body's all jacked up, Jesus. I don't like your body. I don't like hanging around your body. I don't like being in your body. I don't like showing up as much as I'm supposed to show up to the body. I don't like the sacrifice of the body. You know, it's kind of like dieting. Nobody likes to do that, you know. I love God, but I hate the church. Church of Philadelphia. The last one, Church of Laodicea. Church of Laodicea is the lukewarm church. <laughs> lukewarm church. You know the scripture, I'd rather have you hot or cold, but I'll spew you out of my mouth if you are lukewarm. It's, it's, it's that. It's, it's, it's the spiritual indifference. The, dis, the disciples said of Jesus, all these types of things, passion for God's house will consume me if you aren't lukewarm. In other words, you remember when you first got saved, you were on fire, and then suddenly somewhere in the middle there, there's this lukewarm, and what it's trying to do is to get you to be cold again. Right, But when you stay on fire, when you stay hot for God, then that's a blessing, and then you're not lukewarm. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get lukewarm. Turn to your other, other neighbor, your second choice, and say, stay on fire. Now, the fact that you guys are here today, I would disqualify you maybe for most of these seven churches that Jesus talked about. I would say you got your passion because you got up today and got to church. You're not lukewarm. Because you're on fire, you want to learn and grow in the things of God. Most of you are raising your hands passionately worshiping Him. Amen? I would would hope that our integrity is still intact. That we stand for what we believe. That we're not a weak church. Amen? Now, I know there's a lot of people, they can show up to church to put on the facade, but they're technically weak when it comes to standing up for him. But I believe everybody here is that. Amen. And, and it's definitely been a time and a season to identify where I am as a believer. Not to do with COVID. Nothing to do with COVID. Everybody's got to fight that battle how they f- seem fit. But when it comes to standing up, there's a lot of things that got thrown in. This whole COVID thing introduced a whole new realm. No singing and chanting in church. That wasn't so much COVID. That was to get the church to muzzle itself. Don't speak. Don't, you need to be weak. We've put you in a box. But no one wants to hear about that today. Praise the Lord. So we're going to get on to the mark. Amen? Here we go, the mark. The mark of the beast, which is the whole point of this series. Now, remember that we had people emailing us, writing us, asking, a question, asking us questions. Pastor Troy, is, the, is COVID part of the mark of the beast? Pastor Troy, what about the vaccine? Matter of fact, I had a wonderful lady from our church after first service last Sunday left, text me, or Facebook, I forget how she got a hold of me, but whatever, in between said, I'm getting my shot on Wednesday. Please tell me, is it okay to go ahead or is it the mark? Now, I didn't say anything about any of that first service, but maybe God was dropping something in her own spirit. But I said, it's all right, honey, you'll be fine. Amen. And so uh, I believe she probably went and got the second shot, whatever. So we're not talking about shots and vaccines, but we're looking at conspiracy and truth and allowing you to decipher what is what. Because a lot of people like... There's a lot of conspiracy stuff going on. There's all these conspiracy theories, and I believe part of them, and I go, hmm, discerning of spirits, looking at what's going on in the world, knowing what I know about what the Bible says in Revelation. Like, hmm, there's a lot to that one. And then there's a lot out there. I'm like, uh, okay, that one, they smoke in the wrong pipe, all right? But, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> praise God. So, today we're going to be talking about, number one, the mark, who and what is it? 
Number two, the second beast, which is the false prophet. Who and what is that? Number three, the number of the beast and its meaning. Number four, the mark of the beast. What is it? Number five, the punishment for receiving the mark. Now, we're not going to get through all of those today, obviously. But I just kind of want to dive into some of the numbers, some of the things, and help you see in the Bible what the Bible talks about so that you can understand, is this conspiracy theories about the mark of the beast in the last days and the one world government? Is that all just conspiracy stuff, or is that in the Bible? Is it true? Even if we see it in the Bible, just like we see other things in the Bible, we can go, well, I just don't know if I believe that. Like some people don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that so you can have power. Well, it's just not for me. Well, we can take cafeteria Christianity, amen? So, first of all, just know this. Technology can never completely be the mark of the beast. Let me say that again. Technology can never completely be the mark of the beast. Microchips, satellites, ID cards, things of that nature. But it can be a communication tool for the mark. Okay? Therefore, there's no reason really to fear or believe that if you have an ATM card or if you're walking. How many know that they track all of us right now because we, we got this thing in our hand called a phone? And wherever you are in the world, they know that's where you are. They know your last transaction. They know your last tweet. Right? And people are, people are policing us through our digital device. Amen? And so you can see the rapid. See, back when I first learned all these things, there was no, no such thing as a cell phone. You went to the house. You got on the phone, put it up to your ear that was attached to a cord. And then you had to dial. <laughs> I still remember the number to my dad's store, 308-327-2131, because I had to dial it all the time. That and I remember lots of number stuff. Like Tom Brady, he won seven Super Bowls. I remember that one. It's the only one. All right. So we got all these, these numbers, and we have to understand that the mark isn't necessarily digital or the mark isn't necessarily a, uh, an implant of a chip or something like that, but it could be how they track if you have the mark, right? So in order to figure out the mark or the number of the beast, we need to understand who and what is the beast. So, Revelations, here we go. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, we will not take time to read all of that, um, but the term beast, just the term, we're going to start unpacking this. I don't want to make this like an eschatology theological seminary class. I just want to give you enough to let you chew on to you for you to determine, is this conspiracy or truth? Is it in the Bible or not? So when dealing with prophecy, it refers to either a kingdom, prophecy, mark of the beast, a kingdom, an empire, or a governing system. And as a whole, there is a dictator that's leading it, okay? Just as like a king or president represents his country symbolically, proof is in Revelation 17, 8, and the Bible will interpret and explain itself. And the Bible says in Revelation 17, 8, the beast that you saw, it was and now is no more, but is about to come upon the abyss and go into its destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose names were not written in the book of life, you want to make sure your name's written in the book of life. Just a little hint right there. From the foundation of the world will marvel when they see the beast that was and is not and yet will be. Number two. So the term beast. Number two, the Bible says that he comes out of the sea. Represents power rising amid the people. We're the sea. 
multitudes, nations, and tongues. Yeah, that proof is in Revelation 17, 15. And the Jews looked at the sea as something troublesome and dangerous. Something coming out of the sea, out of the abyss, will this rise. Number three, the Bible says in Revelations right there that he has seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads and ten horns. Heads are equal to headquarters of governments. So sometimes we think of some weird creature, right? With seven heads. But it's really representing heads of governments or leadership. The horns equal kings or rulers. Okay? And that proof is in Revelation 17, 12. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but will receive one hour of authority as kings along with the beast. Verse 13, these kings have one purpose, to yield their power and authority to the beast. So there will be rulers of nations and places that will give their authority to the beast. This one. Right? In the day and time that that will happen. Number four, the beast has the name of blasphemy. Revelations 13.1. What is blasphemy? And blasphemy, and it talks about that also uh, about the mark, two, uh, chapter 2, 3 through 11. The very leaders basically of this power claim to be God on earth and able to forgive sins. That's going to be very recognizable, and hopefully those who are followers of Christ go, oh, wait a minute, only Jesus is the one who can actually, you know, pay the price for my sins, take away the sins of the world. So they hopefully will identify and see that. However, we have to understand the blinding, the discerning, or the lack of discerning, even in the day and time we're living in right now, how some believers don't see things with the spirit realm. But it's all based on circumstances or what they think. Nobody here. Don't worry. You guys are stressing out right now. I can feel it. But lots of other ones. Number five, it gets a seat of authority from the dragon. And the dragon is in Revelations 12, 9. We won't spend time on the dragon. Number six, that they dwell upon the earth and they worship him. Revelations 13, 8. And number seven, his character has characteristics of the nations before it, Revelation 17, 8, and Daniel 7, 1 through 9. So the first thing I really want to introduce to you in our last minute that we have is that basically the beast is a government align, alliance. The beast is a governmental alliance that come together and unite and attack against God, his temple, and those who dwell in heaven. And so that's in Revelation 13, 6. It says, And the beast opened its mouth to speak blasphemies against God and to slander his name and his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. So we have to understand that it's a governmental alliance. And so some of you maybe have heard about a new world order. Has anybody ever heard that term, a new world order? Okay. So some would say, oh, that's just conspiracy. That's never going to happen. We'll always be the United States of America. There will always be China. There will always be Russia. There will always be these. Well, there might be, but there can be a governmental alliance where certain governments come into alignment with one another to have power over everybody else. And then to dictate what those other countries can and cannot do. And so then you have to see. So right now, just by saying that term, a lot of your minds are racing about things you've seen in the earth in these last years, last year. Last four months. And you're seeing 
how there could be alliances. Now, this is coming, but remember, talked about Jesus, Revelations 2 and 3, the churches is which the age we're living in right now, and then Revelations 4 through 22 is going to be the coming or, or later on or future foretelling. So we see here that there is a political power that's talking about the beast. Most people believe it's revised in Roman Empire, so a lot of people are always looking to the European regions uh, of the world where this this. A uh, person will rise out of the sea, and it will be a world dictator who is empowered by the dragon or Satan himself. But he will look like the prince of peace. He will look like peace because he will bring great solutions and great peace to the world that everybody begins to worship him. It will be a government leader, ruler, or those that are in leadership will give their power to him because he's just so stinking amazing. Now, Lucifer himself was one of the most beautiful creatures in heaven, right? And so we, ha we can see some correlations there. How many know that Lucifer or Satan is always trying to um, copy what God has already done, right? So you can see things that will, he will copy and he'll replace with the goodness, the grace, and all the things that Jesus was. He'll have a copy and people will be drawn to that. And they've refused Jesus, the true Savior of the world. So, anyhow, we're going to get into some numbers and things. Uh, talking about seven, it's mo the most mentioned number in the Bible is the number seven. Seven, all these different things. I don't have time today, but we'll get into it next week. Talking about three, the second most number in the Bible. Talking about six and how those come together. And look, knowing that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost, seven, seven, seven. And then we know the mark of the man is the six, which is then six, six, six. But I'm going to explain to you next week how each one comes into alignment and how it's a, uh, a copyright of what, or a copy of what God already established with perfection, which is seven, 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 which is who God is, which is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. Next week's going to be amazing. Do not miss next week as we unpack the mark, conspiracy, or truth. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name for everybody and everyone in this place and those watching online, Lord. Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this series. We thank you that people are being enlightened and understand what's taking place in our world today, as well as what Jesus you have done, as well as what's coming in the future. And so, Lord, I thank you that gives us peace and it gives us comfort, not fear, especially when we're aligned with heaven and we've given our heart to you, God. We thank you that we do not act like or take on the ways of the seven churches. But, Father God, that we are bold. We're not lukewarm, but we're on fire. We are passionate. We do walk in integrity. Father God, I thank you in Jesus' name for believers today in the days that we live in, that we stand for you and we stand for truth. We stand for what we believe. Lord, I thank you that your word says we can be as bold as a lion. So, Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for the body of Christ. And specifically, God, I thank you for the body here at Generations Church, physically in this room and watching online, and those coming in the future, God. We just praise you for them. We thank you for all of our locations, all of our campuses, Father God. We thank you for what you're doing. And we accept it and we walk in it. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet before we go today. And for those of you watching online, I just want to make sure I always, it's one of our most important things here at Generations Church is that we make sure that people are right with God. I'm going to ask everybody just to hold still unless you have to be at some ministry position. But, you know, today I talked about the mark. I talked about how in the last days certain things and how people, your name needs to be written in the book of life. The only way your name gets written in that book is when you call upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. People say, well, you know, Pastor Troy, I've been to church a lot. Well, it doesn't say because you've been to church the most, you get to go to heaven. It doesn't say because you go to church a few times, you get to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't say anything about how many times you go to church. It says, have you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you called upon him as Savior and Lord? So I'm going to simply say a prayer. It's just a heart decision. It's all it is. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't have to start wearing a suit and tie and going to church. You don't have to start doing anything special. You just have to recognize in your heart that you need God and you believe in Jesus, that he is the way. And confess him as Lord of your life. It's as simple as that. And then begin to pursue him. So everybody here with us live, just pray this prayer out of your heart. Pray it to God. If you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, do it right now. Do it today. Get your heart right. And those of you watching online, just say this right there in your homes or coffee shop, wherever you might be watching. Just say this. Say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe your son Jesus went to the cross for me, shed his blood for me. So I choose to receive him today as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, God, for this freedom I now have in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're online and you prayed that prayer, we want you to say, say so in the chat room there. Let some of our online campus pastors know that. They'll connect with you, and uh, we love you. So God bless all of you that watched online today. We'll see you again soon.